Beatrice Spills the Beans on Codependency is a codependency recovery, emotional awareness, and exploration podcast. B is a mom, social worker, and recovering codependent, creating a space for like-minded people who have similar experiences to help empower and cheer each other on. Join B on her journey with emotional exploration. Hey friends, thank you for joining me on another episode. It was a little crazy. The last episode I did was on control and let me tell you, the universe really challenged me on if I can handle my lack of control issues because my computer died and needed to be fixed and it took two weeks to fix before I had the last episode edited. I didn't know when the episode was going to, if it was going to be edited on time. I had to completely let go and just let go and let God and just hoping that my higher power would know the way of how to deal with that situation because I didn't have any control in the situation. And then I get the computer back and it has a whole new software. It doesn't even have the software on it for me to be able to edit my episode and I lost all of my saved information. So I had to re set up everything that I had already set up, the things that I just plug in, like my transitions and my intro and outro. And then I uploaded it wrong because it's a new new system I had to learn to edit. And so then it didn't go out onto all my platform. And so I had to fix that. And it was just, I kept laughing throughout the, the process because I was like, this is so ironic that I am doing an episode on control and it just made me realize how what little control I do have. Even over a podcast that I that I produce, edit, and create all by myself. So there's no other hands in the pot to blame. It's something that I usually have total control over, but I don't have control over technology errors. And I'm super grateful that I was able to fix my laptop. I don't have to get a new computer right now because that would be very expensive. So it made me very grateful for what I have. I was able to get the episode out on time and that I'm super grateful for. But I was just, I just thought it was super ironic. So today we're going to do an episode on detachment. Detachment was one of the first things I learned when I was dealing with codependency, it was one of the first challenges I would say that I faced. And I learned that without detaching, I wasn't going to be able to work through my codependency. I've been seeing a lot, I'm on a lot of group for codependency on like Facebook. And I've been seeing a lot of posts about what is detachment? How do you detach? Things like that. I think people commonly think that detachment means that you stonewall people or cut them out of your life. And detachment doesn't have to look like that. Um, For me, when I detached from my husband, it did end up that we weren't in each other's lives. But that was about, I would say, a year and a half into detaching. And I've detached from other people in my life that are in my close family that I can't or I don't even want to not have them in my lives, but I've detached in a way 
that makes our relationship healthier. I think that I I practiced detachment with my dad, which was really hard for me, but it has honestly made our relationship better because when I'm in a healthy state of mind, I'm not attaching to emotions. So we'll get into that. So welcome and thank you for joining us on this episode and let's get started. Let's start with the definition of detachment, separating yourself emotionally, spiritually, and or mentally from another person and what they're doing, saying, or thinking. I'm just going to start out with giving a list of symptoms or patterns that you may have that are good signs that detachment is necessary. You don't always need to detach in every relationship. It's usually relationships that you're having a lot of codependency patterns with. But the following symptoms or patterns might be necessary for detaching. They include obsessively worrying about a loved one. Your emotions revolve around how the other person is doing. You become upset or disappointed in your loved one's decisions. If another person's pain or problems affect your physical or emotional health, you're not sleeping or eating normally, you're having frequent headaches or upset stomachs, and you're feeling upset tense, distracted, and preoccupied by the other person. So if you have any of those symptoms, it might be time to what they call detach in love. Detaching in love means that you're detaching for the better well-being of a relationship. You're not doing it in a vindictive way. You're doing it because you want to have a better life for yourself first and foremost, but also that you want to have healthier relationships with the people that you are connected to. And sometimes that does mean losing relationships, but sometimes it just means that the relationship dynamics are going to change. Detachment is a healthy way to gain control of oneself and allow others to be autonomous and often can help our relationships with others in the long run. Detaching, like I said, doesn't mean that you're going to lose a person It just means that you're not so wrapped up and involved and you're not letting another person's decisions affect you. I know for me with my husband, my detaching had to come with my constant worrying of where he was. He was a chronic get in fight with me and then go off to party or do whatever he needed to do to make himself feel better. So he would pick a fight with me so he could go off and not answer his phone, and not be responsive for 24 to 48 hours. And it, it was definitely a pattern. He wasn't getting in arguments on weekdays. It was always when something was going on that he wanted to attend without me and partake in behaviors that I probably wouldn't have been okay with. And so I became obsessive about his whereabouts, and I admit that I was that crazy ex-wife that called 50 to 100 times in a night when I wasn't getting a response and just redial, redial, redial. And looking back at those behaviors, I can understand why detachment is healthy and how much detachment would have helped my well-being in those situations. It probably wouldn't have changed the situations, but it would have made those nights where I was freaking out and not able to sleep and just living in chaos and sick to my stomach and just uh, 
in denial about the reality of things and wanting to make it what I thought it should be and thinking I had control over a person that I had absolutely no control over. I would have made those nights more bearable and I would have been able to live in reality and understood that not every situation requires me to react to it and not every situation requires my energy. Even I could have just thought, oh, like, okay, this is a pattern. This is happening. This isn't a behavior that I think is acceptable and I need to put boundaries around this. I don't, I don't need to try to make it the outcome that I want to make it because obviously that wasn't working. It created insanity. It was the doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, calling over and over and over, expecting for him to pick up and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, I want to come home and work this out. And I'm sorry I picked a fight and you're more important than this party and these drugs and this alcohol and these girls. And it wasn't realistic. I was living in a fantasy world of what was going to turn out for me in a different way. Let's talk about how to detach. I mean, detachment, detachment, detachment. I can say it at you all day. I can give you a definition. I can tell you reasons why you should detach, but how do you do it? What are things to do to follow through with detaching? I just read my journaling when I first started my codependency recovery about how I felt if I detached. And the one thing that I kept saying was, I feel like if I detach, a piece of me will be missing, that I won't be whole anymore. That without my knowledge and expertise and advice that my ex-husband, my husband's life, without my guidance, my husband's life would deteriorate and he would not be able to function without me. And I really thought that I had that much power and control and that if I detached, he would shrivel up and, and die from not from basically malnourishment of mind, body, and soul because I thought I was the only one feeding that. And so I know that the first part of detachment is setting boundaries, which I need to do an episode on boundaries. But setting boundaries with yourself and having ideas of things to do when obsessing, things like reading, going for a walk, exercising, doing yoga. Now I still get into an obsessive mindset sometimes. I'm not completely cured. Like I said, codependency is something that has to be put in check constantly. It's not something that you just recover from and you never have issues with it again. At least that's not the case for me. Going back to my example with my husband, when I was calling a hundred times in a night, if I were to be in that situation now, which the only time that I felt like that with my husband now is when he went to his bachelor party, for some reason, it just really triggered my insecurities and my experiences with my husband and not knowing what my, I just, I, for some reason that night, I really lost my trust. And so I made myself do things instead of calling my husband to check in and being, you know, not trusting him for behaviors of someone before him and putting those, that situation on him. 
I think that night I did some meditating. I took a bath. I was taking care of my son. So that was a good distraction. But I also did some drawing and some journaling. And I just really focused on my self-care instead of putting that obsession of what he's doing. And it still was, it was a memorable night because I felt like I was obsessing um, more than I have in my our entire marriage or relationship, but it was not anything compared to those nights that I experienced with my husband where I was calling and calling and calling. So maybe taking a little index card, I love index cards, and writing out five things that you like to do. People that are in 12-step programs, I think I've shared this before, Dak Shepard always says, be of service to others, exercise, and talk it out to someone you love. And if you do those three things and you're still having issues, then you really have a problem. But those should be the first three steps to take. And not everybody wants to have the same steps. And that does relate to me. I I like to do yoga daily because it really keeps my mindset straight. And I personally go to 12-step meetings and they're really helpful to me. So If I'm feeling like I'm obsessing, I hit up a meeting. It doesn't really matter what type of 12-step. A lot of times people who go to 12-steps have different areas of 12-steps they can attend. And now with Zoom, because of COVID, a lot of the meetings are on Zoom, which makes them really easy to attend whenever, you know, you could find a meeting any time of day, basically. But going for a brisk walk, you know, maybe calling a friend and going for a walk and talking to your friend on that walk and just talking through things or going on a walk by yourself in silence or with music in your ears and just giving yourself that space. So getting an index card and writing out five things that work for you. And again, my things would be attending a meeting, doing exercise, being of service to others, and then yoga and going for a brisk walk and talking to a friend on the phone or finding a friend that's willing to meet to go for a walk would be ideal. Those would probably be the five things on my index card, but everything's different. Coloring, um, art, those are great things to add to your, your list of things. And so setting a boundary for me would be when I'm obsessing, I'm not going to interact with the person that I'm obsessing about at that moment. I'm going to get myself out of that obsessive mode before I engage because I know for me that it's toxic to engage when I'm in obsessive mode. So the next thing that you could do to help with detaching is learning to let go of expectations and entanglements with others. Ways to do this is don't offer unsolicited advice. Know the difference between what is in our control and what is not. That's a huge one. We don't have control over other people. We don't have control over what they do, say, or think. We have, sometimes we barely have control over what we do, say, or think. So what makes us think we're going to be able to control other people? We do, though, have control over what we do, say, and think if we put the energy into it. And a lot of times codependents need to direct the energy back to themselves and not to everyone else around them. And that's really important. Another way that was really helpful to me, I learned this from Codependent No More by Melody Beattie. She talks about this in her book, visualizing letting go. So she talks about 
using God or a higher power or a higher being or whatever it is that you believe that is more powerful, that has a greater power than you yourself, and literally meditating that you're, if you don't have any spiritual beliefs whatsoever, you can just imagine a big white hammock and you put yourself in this hammock or you can put yourself in the arms of the higher power that you believe in and they're holding you like like a hammock cradling you and covering you in white light and then what you do is you step out of the hammock or out of the cradled arms and you put the person that you're needing to detach from in those arms and covered in white light and swaying in the wind or swaying in the arms being coddled and knowing that they're protected without our attachment they're not we're not visualizing them being wrapped in our arms it's in the higher powers arms or the hammock swing just swaying and knowing that there's a protection over them without us being connected and i remember specifically with my husband when i would get into triggered obsessive modes i would stop myself right then and there and do my visualization and it was life changing it was absolutely life changing because there is it was a i think that was the first way i ever even meditated the first little tidbit of meditation in my life and i could just feel a calm over me and it was a reminder that i'm not in control of them and i don't need to be people are taken care of with or without me i talked a lot about that in the last episode Another way to detach is accepting reality and not living in the past or future. The first way that I get myself into the moment and being present is to try to identify three of the five senses. So taste, smell, feeling, taste, smell, touch, what I'm looking, what I'm seeing in the room. I don't even remember what the fifth sense is. Isn't that funny? Taste, smell, touch, sight. I'm sure that you guys can help me out with that when you hear this. You're, gonna, you're probably yelling it right now. Come on, get it. Maybe it'll come to me. But basically, I only need three. So what am I f- physically feeling right now? You know, my feet on the carpet. I'm seeing these dangly lights my best roommate gave me for my little podcast closet and a big pillow to help with the echoing and I taste (laughs) I taste the leftover flavor of bacon from this awesome pizza that I just ate and just getting into your senses helps you to center and be present and then you can be in reality of the situation so in the past that my example the reality was that my husband picked a fight with me so that he could go and and go party and that triggered my abandonment and that behavior wasn't acceptable to me and most likely he wasn't going to contact me or come home that night and that was the reality of the situation it wasn't reality for me to think that I can control him to come back or that he was sitting miserably wherever he was 
upset about his behavior towards me because he could compartmentalize. And that's the thing is I didn't need to be thinking about what he was doing. The reality was is that I was alone at home with my dog and I was feeling very vulnerable and I would spend the time trying to call him instead of finding something I could do to fill my cup. So I wasted my whole night trying to figure out a way to control his situation instead of recognizing that I need to gain control over my situation and over myself and my being because at the end of the day, I can only regulate me. Another way to detach is to take responsibility for our feelings and needs, not thinking others' well-beings is equivalent to our well-being. So that's a huge one. And kind of like I was saying, that's something I struggle with with my my current marriage is um, if I feel like my husband is depressed or his mood is off, I still have to put myself in check that he's allowed to have moods and not be in the best mood and it's not my problem. Um, I don't have to, it doesn't have to make or break my day what kind of mood he's in. I'll make like snood comments sometimes. Like just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean you have to ruin mine. But the truth of the matter is, is I don't have to let his bad day dictate if I'm having a good or bad day. And kind of like I was saying with my example of staying home and pining you know, I chose to be the victim in the situation and to react and ruin my whole night over a situation with my husband and, you know, his behaviors. And I don't have to do that. I don't have to choose. I don't have to live a life based on other people's behaviors. And so in in that time period, my needs were that I should have been making connections and calling my mom or one of my friends and saying, hey, this is what's going on and I feel really lonely and abandoned and talking it out or doing some yoga, which I didn't know anything about yoga yet, but I probably could have went for a walk. Well, it was nighttime, so not really. I could cook my favorite meal or I could go for a drive. I could take the dog in the truck and go for a drive for a little while. I had a lot of things in my control that I could have done, and I didn't have to base my mood on the mood of our fight before he left. It's just I'm I'm in charge of me and me only, and that takes a lot of energy and a lot of work, and I don't need to be in charge of anyone else. That's the blessing I have today. Detachment helps us to relinquish the need to change, control, argue with, or persuade others. Detachment is honoring our separateness from others and allowing us to have relationships with compassion and encouragement for others. We don't step in and take responsibility of our loved one's problems and allow for them to face the natural consequences of their actions. That's another thing. Codependents love to come in and save the day, come in and save the day, come in and save the day. But the issue with that is, is that we're not allowing people to have the natural consequences of their behaviors because we're constantly saving them. And we're really, we think we're helping, but we are stunting their growth as a person because they don't know what it's like to have consequences. A lot of people that struggle with codependency, it doesn't have to just be a marriage, a relationship. It could be 
a parent with a child who every time their kid spends money on drugs, they give them the money that they need to make rent that month because they want them to have a place to live. With me personally, with my husband, the first month that I moved out and got my place with my old roommate, he called me screaming at me and crying, telling me it wasn't fair because he missed all his bills and had late payments because I didn't tell him how to pay bills. And he's 10 years older than me. So I don't know why he thought that I'm responsible for teaching him how to pay bills when he was nearly 30 years old when we started dating. But that was a sign of me not allowing him to grow and to be an adult and taking on his responsibility. And prior to that, not allowing him to deal with the natural consequences of things. My girl, Melody Beattie, says, Detachment means we care about ourselves and others. It frees us to make the best possible decision. It enables us to set boundaries we need to set with people. It allows us to have our feelings, to stop reacting and initiating a positive course of action. It encourages others to do the same. So if I could have you take one thing from this episode, it's that the word detachment sounds really scary and it seems confusing, but it's really something that can start out really simple and it sounds threatening but it's really threatening to our souls to not detach from people that are having this control over our thoughts, feelings, and actions. And detaching is something you can do in love. You don't have to do it maliciously. And that is something that I think it would be helpful for people to understand about detachment. My fears with detachment when I first started recovery like I said, was that there's going to be a piece of me missing. And I'd be lying to you if I said that that wasn't the case for a little bit, that it did feel like something was missing because what was healthy didn't feel normal. I remember when I first started dating my husband, I felt like our lack of fighting was a lack of passion. And it really struck me that I felt like we kind of had a boring relationship because it was a healthy one. And I had to learn to love the healthiness of the relationship because I didn't know anything different but chaos. I thought that when people fight, they're fighting for you and that's the the passion that they put into fighting is a sign of how much they love you. And so it did feel awkward and weird when I started detaching But then it didn't take long for that sense of calm to come over me and that understanding and that knowing that I was doing the right thing and that I could focus on me. And then it really made me realize how long I had been focusing on everyone else but myself and that by detaching, I gave myself the time to work on me and how much work there was to be done because We judge others for being neglectful of themselves, but a lot of times codependents neglect themselves for the sake of others. So how can we be judgmental of what other people are doing when we're neglecting ourselves to clean up their messes? It's really interesting. And with like my job, when I see codependents, they often, you know, they're they're 40, 50 years into their marriages and 
they're so frustrated and tired and they're having health issues and they're like, I created this monster. Like I just got out of the hospital, but my husband's expecting me to make his meals because he's never had to make his own meals. And it's just such an eye opener that it's so important to let people be autonomous with themselves and to give ourselves that break that we're not responsible to care for people on a level that is not healthy to us. So if you want to learn more on detachment, some books on the subject are Detaching with Love by Carolyn W., The Magic of Detachment by Lynn Kelly, and Let Go Now, Embrace Detachment as a Path to Freedom by Karen Casey. Speaking of book recommendations, our friends over at Audible have books on detachment as an audio format. Great for those of you with a go, go, go lifestyle or who don't have time to read a book the old fashioned way. Audible is great to listen to while getting things done on your to-do list or while driving in the car. Audible not only has books on detachment, but they have thousands of books to choose from covering every genre from self-help books to steamy romance novels. Our friends at Audible are offering all Beatrice Spills the Beans listeners a free one-month trial, including one credit that can be redeemed for one free book of your choice. To take advantage of this offer, go to audibletrial.com slash beans with a capital B. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash beans with a capital B. (laughs) 